it. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on there. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but uh, we'll figure that out eventually. Uh, Colossians chapter number 2 and uh, verses 8 through 10 are where we're going to be uh, tonight. Thank you, Miss Pat, uh, for playing that piano and doing the uh, singspiration and uh, kind of going all over the hymn book. Appreciate that. And Miss Emily, too. Uh, did a great job. Thank you for it. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10. Let's stand together one more time, read these three verses, pray, and we'll get into our message. Uh, Colossians 2, uh, 8 through 10, the Bible says this, Beware lest any man should spoil, or le- beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the, the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, you speak to our hearts as we look into it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Today is Father's Day, and one of the key roles of a father is to provide protection. Thankful for our Heavenly Father who protects us. I remember one, uh, one instance, this took place in California. Um, my wife was getting ready to leave the uh, parking lot of our church property, and uh, there was a light there, and, and uh, it was uh, basically a four-way stop. And the light turned green, and she pushed the, uh, the gas pedal, and the car didn't go. This is the only time it ever happened. And she was like, what's going on? Uh, something's wrong with our car. Well, just then when, when she tried to go, uh, somebody came right the other direction, perpendicular to us, uh, blew the red light, and went right through that intersection. Had Julie gone forward when the, she put the gas pedal on, uh, she would have been T-boned. And uh, we can't help but think that, you know, I wasn't there, I didn't see it with my eyes, but I can't help but think that one of the angels, God's angels, was there holding the car and saying, you can push gas all you want, it's not going forward, we're going to protect you. God protects his children. And uh, one of the, that's one of the responsibilities that we as dads have and uh, fathers have, is to protect their family. Um, this past Friday morning, I was kind of waking up and taking a while to do so, and uh, my wife was in the bathroom and she said... Uh, she kind of got a little high pitched. She's like, "Eric, are you, are you, are you up?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Can you come? There's a big spider. It's a big one." So I was like, "Yeah, yeah." So I get up there, and it wasn't even that big. I mean, it was like this big. It was kind of small. No, it was a little guy. Uh, but uh, she just doesn't like spiders. So I had to protect her from the spider, and I am her hero. Uh, but uh, lest you think I am the greatest dad of all time. There is uh, one instance that uh, proves otherwise. Uh, When we were in California, I've shared the story already before, but um, someone was trying to get into our house in the middle of the night. Uh, My wife and I were upstairs. Our kids were also upstairs. And uh, the the stairs, you open the front door, you walk in, and immediately you can just go upstairs and then into all the bedrooms. So it just kind of gave direct access. Well, she has those mom supersonic ears that 
you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. She can hear the littlest thing uh, in the middle of the night if it's going to, you know, mess, mess with her babies, you know. So she had those ears going, and she heard the door, the front doorknob begin to move, and it was like someone was trying to get in, and she's trying to wake me up and says, Eric, somebody's at the front door. And I'm like, well, that's nice. Let me go back to sleep. <laughs> and she's like, no, seriously, somebody is trying. I, I heard it. Somebody is trying to get into the front door. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm still trying to kind of come to, you know. And, and she's like, do you want me to go look at and find out who it is? And I said, no, it's okay. I'll get up and go because uh, I didn't want to be that big of a chump. And so... I didn't at that time have any type of real protection, so I grab a, I didn't have a pocket knife in one of my drawers, so I grab a pocket knife. <laughs> and I go downstairs, and, and she's behind me, you know, and uh, I go down there, and I open the front door with a pocket knife, and I'm like, why would I do that? I, that's not smart. <laughs> you don't open the door in case there is somebody there with a gun, and all I have is this little a Swiss Army knife, you know. Hey, I can... I've got a toothpick here. I can pick your, pick te- pick your teeth, <laughs> um, you know, to death. Um, so I, I was like, why? I just wasn't thinking. It's like two in the morning, you know. You're not, you're not thinking right. And so uh, I do go out there, and I did notice that one of the lights in, in our neighborhood that comes on when you walk by it at night, it was on. So somebody had been there. Somebody had been walking through. And uh, we, we couldn't find anything, and I was like, all right, let's just go to bed. I think we're all good. And I went right back to sleep, and she was like wide awake for like three hours. Just somebody was trying to get to my babies, you know. Um, so it wasn't, exactly, uh, it wasn't exactly Mr. Hero in that moment, that's for sure. Uh, but we, look, we do take measures in our lives to protect our families from bad guys, and, and, and we should. We, we lock the doors. Um, you know, at nine o'clock, we're supposed to go around the house and do the nine o'clock check, right? And uh, make sure the doors are all locked. And as dads, uh, that's basically what our main, main role is, is to turn off lights and make sure the doors are locked. That's kind of what we do. That's like our main chore is to uh, make sure the doors are locked and the lights are off. Uh, but uh, we do things like locking the doors. We get security kiss- systems. We get cameras. Some have guard dogs. Uh, Abby, uh, just a couple, few nights ago, uh, was barking about 3 a.m. because someone was driving slow in our neighborhood with a trailer behind them at 3 a.m. And uh, I actually didn't see it. Julie got up to see it. Um, I know I'm not exactly Mr. <laughs> Mr. Protection. I know that. Um, but uh, she kind of heard Abby barking. She got up and was checking everything. And, and uh, she was the hero of the, of the family, that's for sure. But... Um, and, uh, and, and some people, in order to properly protect themselves, some even enlist uh, some really good friends named Smith & Wesson to help. And uh, they, they do that. Now, it's good and wise to protect ourselves from intruders, for sure. But here in the passage we are reading and studying tonight, uh, chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 8 through 10, uh, Paul is encouraging us to protect ourselves from false teachers. And they did exist in the first century, and now they definitely exist in the 21st century. So it's important and critical that we are protected from false teachers in our lives. Now, what can we do and what should we do, according to this passage, to protect ourselves from false teachers? Well, let's jump into it uh, very briefly tonight. Uh, Let's look at a few thoughts here. First of all, we are to recognize the caution. 
First, we must recognize the caution, the warning, the need to be careful and protected. There are far too many Christians that are gullible and naive to the tricks and methods of the devil to get them off track. But remember that we, according to 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, are to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be sober and vigilant. We're not to be naive and gullible and have our heads in the sand to what the devil will do or use to get us off track. And he'll use anything to destroy us, uh, to sift us as wheat. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse number 11, Paul says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, he will use anything. He'll use, and we ought not to be ignorant of what the devil will use to get us off course. And what will he use to, in verse number 8, spoil us? He'll use temptation uh, to sin, but he'll also use enticing words. He'll use the philosophy of the world. He'll use vain deceit, traditions of men, and rudiments of the world. In verse number 4 of chapter number 2, Paul uh, introduces this topic. In verse number 4, he says, In this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. But then in verse number 8, he uh, definitely minces no words as he details the caution here in verse number 8, where he says, Beware, lest any man spoil you. Beware. What does the word beware mean? Uh, most of us are familiar with that as we uh, see signs, beware of the dog. And uh, we'd, we would not necessarily, it wouldn't be really accurate for us to have that uh, on our uh, backyard or front door or whatever, beware of the dog. Uh, she'll just um, lick you to death. Um, that's the only danger that people would be in with Abby. Uh, but uh, beware here means to be on guard, to behold, to perceive, to regard, to take heed. And uh, Paul's saying to the church there at Colossae, and again, uh, we are benefiting from this as well, and we need to also beware to take heed, lest any man spoil you. And by the way, this wasn't the only time that Paul issued a caution. Paul warned Titus about false teachers in Titus chapter 1. Verses 10 through 11, where the Bible says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Paul warned the church at Philippi about evil workers. Uh, Paul issued warnings to Timothy. And by the way, the bulk of the book of Galatians is a warning to the believers in the churches in that area. So, now, this isn't the only time Paul issued some type of warning or caution. But Peter also issued warnings as well. In 2 Peter 2.1 says, There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And by the way, so did Jude. Jude issued warnings along these lines. In verse number four of the book of Jude says, there are certain uh, men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So 
throughout the, the New Testament, we see this warning about false teachers. And we do need to take heed and beware of that even in our day and age. And it's not something we love to dwell on, but the truth is we do need to be careful. We do need to be protected uh, regarding this. Okay, he says here in verse number 8, Beware lest any man spoil you. Now, what does the word spoil here mean? It means to carry you away as captive. In other words, uh, it's like uh, coming in and, and, and plundering your, your home and, and, and stealing you out of your home, almost as a, as a kidnapping. Um, and so these false teachers have done this. They have kidnapped people from good, solid churches. And because of the, uh, the lack of grounding, then these people are led captive. Um, they are spoiled. And so here Paul says, in order to avoid this, uh, you, need, you need to beware. You need to understand the caution here that uh, I'm issuing. And uh, how do these false teachers then try to spoil us? How can they carry us away as captive? How, how can they kidnap us? Well, in verse number 8, he says, here's how they do that, through philosophy. Through philosophy. By the way, the only time the word philosophy is found in the Bible is right here in Colossians 2, in verse number 8. And I know in our day and age, philosophy is a big thing. You can major in it in college. Now, philosophy in and of itself is not evil, but it is when it is apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what was happening here, because it says here, through philosophy and uh, not after Christ at the end of the verse. So this philosophy, this love of wisdom, um, was evil because it was apart from the Lord Jesus. So they are able to many times use philosophy in these um, wonderful sounding things um, to cause people to leave the truth. And uh, that was happening through in the church at, at Colossae where these uh, cult members were coming in, these false teachers, and uh, leading these people away captive because of their worldly philosophy. And we need to be careful of that in our day and age. We need to be very careful on who we give our attention to and who we listen to. We need to make sure that we're grounded so that we know the truth. Um, when, uh, when I was working at AT&T, uh, when I was back in Montana, at, at the end of the night, as we closed, we would have to count all the drawers. And uh, we would uh, go through, and, and every time there was a $50 bill or a $100 bill, we would have to... Um, every time someone gave that to us, we had a pen in our pot, in our satchel. It wasn't a purse, just to be very clear there. I did not wear a purse. It was a satchel that they had us uh, have that held the iPad and, and some all the things. It was not a purse. Um, some people came in and like, hey, nice purse, Eric. I'm like, it's not a purse. It's a satchel. Okay. But in our, in our satchel, we had a little uh, marker there, a special marker, and some of you ha may have seen these, that you just draw a little line on the $50 bill or the, uh, the $100 bill to make sure that it is a legitimate and not counterfeit uh, $50 bill or $100 bill. All right? And so what's, our, what's the marker that makes sure that what we're hearing is truth? 
This book right here is the marker. This is our fact checker. This is the thing that we need to filter everything through, the Word of God. And uh, what was happening here is they weren't doing that. And uh, they were just, hey, that sounds really good. And they were being led away captive. They were being spoiled through philosophy. What else? Through vain deceit. In verse number eight, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. What does vain deceit mean? It means empty delusions. Like every false philosophy, no matter how good it sounds, is empty, worthless, of no eternal value if it doesn't come from Christ, if it's not found in the word of God. And so this vain deceit, they would use things that sounded good, but were completely in error through vain deceit, through next tradition of men. In verse number eight, it says through philosophy, vain deceit after the tradition of men. This is anything devised by man's thinking and doctrines of devils and passed along by human tradition and culture. The philosophy was likely the influence uh, of the Greeks who tried to out-spiritualize the gospel. But the tradition of men here was likely the influence of Judaizers who tried to push their traditions as part of the gospel. In other words, uh, yeah, the gospel is important. You need, to under- you need to do that. But also these traditions, the traditions that we've done, we need to, uh, you need to believe the gospel, but also uh, participate in these traditions. And, and so... Uh, that sounded good to some people like, okay, well, maybe you're right. Maybe we do need to be circumcised. Maybe we do need to um, do all these things in order to uh, be accepted by God. And uh, that's how they were uh, leading these people astray and spoiling them. And then after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ, uh, that basically means elementary things, things that are very basic and worldly. And uh, this is how uh, a, lot of, a lot of people were drawn astray. And, and by the way, that's not just back then in the days that this was written. This is still happening even to this day. So first of all, we are to recognize the caution. And there is a caution here to beware and to be on guard and to uh, take heed because this is still going on today and we do need to be protected. Okay, so first we need to recognize the caution. But then number two, he says we need to remember Christ. In verse number nine, he goes on and says, Not after Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In verse 10, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So what does Paul remind us here about Christ? First of all, He reminds us that he was and is God fully, that he is God fully. We already saw in chapter 1, verse number 19, if you just look back there, says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So that's a great cross-reference for this verse in verse number 9 of chapter 2. Uh, So we already saw in chapter 1 and verse number 19 that Jesus Christ is fully God. And here in chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul expands on it. And while it's difficult to wrap our minds around it, Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time. He was 100% a human being and 100% God, again, all at the same time. The totality of the attributes and powers of the Godhead 
took up their abode in the Lord Jesus. God's nature, God's person, God's personality, his character and essence dwells fully in our Savior. The Godhead has taken up permanent residence in the body of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse number 10 says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works, Jesus said in John 14.10. Jesus had the fullness of the Father's power. In Matthew 28 and 18, right before he gives the Great Commission to the disciples and to all of us, he says in that verse, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And uh, your Bible is open to Colossians chapter 2. If you look in verse 3 of this chapter, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus had the fullness of God's wisdom in him. So Jesus Christ was fully God. He was God fully. But he was also, uh, at the end of verse number 9, we're going to see here that he was and is God in the flesh. He was God fully but he was also God in the flesh. That's a very important distinction here. And verse number 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. And what's the last word of that verse? Bodily. Bodily. Okay, thank you. Let's try that again. What's the last word in that verse? Bodily. bodily. Okay, that's a little better. So, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yes. Yes, he was an actual body. You see, the, the Gnostics in that day believed that matter was evil and that Jesus did not have a human body, but he did. He, he was actual flesh. Uh, here's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 of that chapter says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In 1 John 1, 1, that was John 1, 1, now we go to 1 John, the epistle of John, the first epistle of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, That which was from the, beginning, from the beginning, which we have heard. So John is testifying to uh, the people there that, look, hey, we heard him with our ears. And then he says, which we have seen with our eyes. Uh, we, got to, we got to see him. And it says, which we have looked upon. And if that wasn't enough... It says, and our hands have handled of the word of life. So, uh, look, he was not some mirage. He wasn't some hologram. He wasn't a figment of imagination. He was flesh, and we got to touch him. We got to handle him. We got to see him and hear him. He was an actual body. So, and I remember when, uh, remember when Thomas was like, yeah, I'm going to believe that he actually rose from the grave, and and uh, then Jesus appears to him uh, a few days later, and he says, hey, behold my hands and my side. 
Go ahead and put your hand in my side. Go ahead and uh, feel the imprints of the nails in my, wrist, in my hands. Go ahead. And he said, my God and my, my Lord and my God. And uh, he believed. He was flesh. He was actual body. And uh, this was a, uh, something that Paul wanted to make abundantly clear, that, look, Jesus did exist in the flesh. Uh, it was not just a figment of anybody's imagination. He wasn't just a spirit. He was actually flesh. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then verse number 10 gives us some inf more information about Christ. It says, You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So he is the head of all principality and power. These are the ranks of angelic beings. In verse number 15, if you just skip over to there, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, 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 something, I'm not sure if I'm saying that word right, over them in it. So he, he's over principalities and powers. Now Ephesians uh, 6 tells us that these are the enemies of the human race, if you recall that, where we're reminded that, uh, or we're told that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, Jesus is head above all angelic beings, whether they be the enemies of God or the ones ministering to and for the Lord. Jesus is above them all. He is above all. So we're to, be, we're to, be, we're to remember who Christ is and uh, what his position is and the fact that he is uh, God, fully God, and that he is God in the flesh and that he is first over all. And uh, this is what Paul wanted to uh, drive in and nail down in the hearts and minds of those believers there in, Coloss in, Col in Colossae so that they would be able to stand firm against the false teachers in that day. He wanted to give them doctrinal truth. And by the way, it's important for us to have uh, a good understanding of doctrine. And that's why on Wednesday nights, we're really going through those doctrinal truths so that we can be grounded against the false teachers and, and all the different voices that are out there. And there are a lot of voices out there, a lot of podcasts and a lot of videos. And, and YouTube is filled with false teachers. And, and uh, so be very careful about what you uh, allow and who you allow to influence your heart. And don't think, well, I can handle it. Um, well, we need, to be, we need to be careful because greater men and greater women than you and I have been drawn astray. So we need to be very careful and uh, nail down what we believe and what the truth is. So first, we need to recognize the caution. Third, secondly, we need to remember Christ. Thirdly, we need to realize our completeness. And verse number 10 is just a precious phrase that Paul presents to the church there and also uh, to believers uh, from then on. And ye are complete in Him. Isn't that beautiful? Ye are complete in Him. The word complete means to be made full. We already saw the word fullness in verse number 9, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
And it says here that we are complete. We are full. Why are we full? We are full because of His fullness. We have all we need in Christ. He completely fills the void that we had. The, the emptiness that we had. He completely fills it. He doesn't mostly fill that need. He doesn't even fill that need 99.99%. We are 100% complete in Him. John Phillips in his commentary said it very well. He said, The cult at Colossae was offering to complete the Christian believers by initiating them into their secrets. Nonsense, says Paul. We are already complete in Him. At most, what the Gnostics had to offer was worthless trivia. But at worst, it offered access to the deep things of Satan and to forbidden secrets that are dark, dreadful, and damning in nature, effect, and consequence. Good words, Mr. Phillips. And that's what um, was going on there. And so Paul says, look, we're complete in him. We don't need any extra revelations. We don't need any extra deep things uh, that, hey, I have this word of knowledge. No, 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 we have everything we need in Christ. We're complete in him. Many religious people will say things like, oh, I, I believe in Christ. I've invited him into my life. I've been saved. I've trusted Christ. But the truth is that they're depending on Jesus plus something else. They don't, they don't end there. They, they'll say that to appease us because they know what we want to hear. They know we want to hear things like, hey, I've, I've asked Jesus in my heart. I believe in Jesus. And we kind of go, well, you must be saved then. But they don't really finish the whole thought. I mean, what they're really depending on is not just Jesus. They're depending on Jesus plus something else. They're just not including that something else. You see, those in the church of Christ, we have a, a beautiful property just down the road. They're on the corner of uh, Maine and Eastern. It's a beautiful a property, a beautiful building, the church of Christ. What do they believe? They depend on Jesus plus baptism. And if I run into somebody that goes to that church, I'm gracious to them, I'm kind to them, but they are believing in Jesus plus something else. Those in the Catholic Church, they depend on Jesus. They'll say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus. I've trusted Jesus. I'm, I, believe, I believe in Jesus. But they depend on Jesus plus a bunch of other things. They depend on Jesus plus their works, plus the sacraments, plus living a good life, plus praying to Mary, plus going to church, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, they believe in Christ, and they'll say that, but, they're all, they, they say, but, but the truth is they depend on many other things. Those in the Mormon religion depend on Jesus. By the way, their belief of Jesus is different than our uh, belief of Jesus. They do not believe that He is fully God. What I just preached to you, what the Word of God clearly says here in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9, they do not believe that. But they depend on Jesus and they'll say, well, I believe in Christ. I, I depend upon Him. But what they're not saying is that they also believe in Jesus plus their church membership, plus their good works, plus etc., 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 plus wearing holy garments, undergarments, and uh, other things. 
So we could go on tonight with the Jehovah's Witnesses and others, but, but listen to me very carefully tonight. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing more and nothing less for, salva for salvation. And I'm going to say that one more time just to be very clear. We need the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing more and nothing less for salvation. We don't need anything else. It's enough. So when someone says, oh, I have Jesus, but I also need, and they fill in the blank, in reality, it's a slap in the face to the all-sufficient Jesus Christ. It's, it's saying he's not enough. Look, friend, he is enough. When he died on the cross of Calvary, he cried out triumphantly, it is mostly finished, but you need to do good works now. No, that's not what he said on the cross. He said, it is finished. It's done. He completed the requirements for your salvation. Nothing else needed to be done. He's all we truly need. And by the way, when you come to the place when he's all you have, you're going to find that he's all you truly need. Ephesians 3.19 says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. In the tense of this Greek word in verse number 10, uh, ye are complete in him, indicates that this fullness is a permanent experience. So at the moment of salvation, you are immediately complete in him. No longer do you, are you incomplete. And you're going to be complete from this time forward. It's a permanent experience. It's not like, oh, well, now I'm a little less complete, and now I need to complete myself again. No, at the moment of salvation, it's a permanent done deal. I'm thankful for that truth. Now, obviously, this is not to say that we shouldn't grow and progress and mature in the Lord and to add to our faith. We saw that last Sunday as we studied verse number seven, where we are to be rooted and built up in him. Uh, we are to grow, yes. But when it comes to salvation, we are complete in him. I'm thankful for that. Ray F. Miller wrote these beautiful words, words that we have sung on several occasions here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. It's the third stanza to the song, I'd rather have Jesus, and I'd rather have Jesus. And the third stanza goes, He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. And listen to this, last, this next line. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in Sid's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. He's, he, he's, he's the only thing that I need. I don't need him plus church membership. I don't need him plus the baptistry waters. I don't need him plus uh, my giving and uh, my faithfulness. I mean, yes, I ought to want to be baptized. I want to... I ought to want to be a part of a church family. I ought to want to give and ought, ought to want to serve, but not in order to be complete, but because we already are complete. See, Jesus said he is the bread of life. He fills me up, and, and as a result of that, I shall never hunger and thirst spiritually again. He's met the need of my heart, and it's over, it's done. I'm complete. So uh, we need to... Uh, Remember Christ, and we need to realize our completeness in Christ. Ye are complete in Him. Now, in our day and age, we better be protected from false teachers 
lest any man spoil you. How do we do it? We need to recognize the caution that there is a warning and a need to be protected. Then we need to remember Christ, that he is fully God in the flesh, that he is the head of all principalities and powers. Then we need to realize our completeness in him, that we need nothing less and nothing more than Jesus Christ in our life. May we stay faithful, grounded, and safe from the false teachers in our day and age by taking heed to the caution, by remembering Christ, and by realizing our completeness. Let's pray together uh, this evening. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the time together this evening and your word. Help us, Lord, to be protected. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us all safe. Lord, many of us take great precaution to make sure that we're safe from from bad guys, and, and to a point we should. We ought to be wise. We ought to make sure that we're careful in those ways. But Lord, help us also to be uh, just as careful when it comes to guarding our hearts from false teachers. Help us to remember who Jesus really is. Help us to have a good grounding on the doctrine of Christ. Help us, Lord, then to realize our completeness in Christ and to realize that we have everything we need in Christ and we need nothing more, nothing less. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect our church family in the days ahead. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.